Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Hey, hey you, yeah, all you bird doggers out there, listen up. Whatever one of y'all needs besides a dog is reliable gear. The folks down at Duck Camp, they specialize in making apparel gear for all types of outdoorsmen. This company isn't just for duck hunters and waterfowlers. They're a company for wing shooters and all outdoorsmen. When the hunting season's over, I tell you what they do. They put their shotgun boots up, they hit the water. They get them fly rods out. Mm. Duck Camp clothing, it flat out fits better. They're made with better fabrics and all around, they're just better hunting shirts. And Duck Camp, they specialize in upland hunters and provide specific products designed for those who hunt behind dogs. They have everything from solid color shirts to blaze orange accent shirts, quail straps, and breathable lightweight rain jackets. Their shirts are designed with a more athletic cut that allow enough room to move through the shoulders and upper body so you can move and shoot comfortably in the field. They also just launched a brand new line of brush pants that are can't miss, unlike your shooting. <laughs> yeah, we at GDIY can speak firsthand to the level quality of this stuff. We've been using their Upland shirts for a few months now, and I can't even imagine wearing anything else. The lightweight shirt, I tell you, it keeps you cool but protected from the cover, while the heavyweight shirt, well, it keeps you warm. I'd say warmer in a hound in heat. And it's comfortable, comfortable in them cold, cold days. Duck Camp brand, it's rooted in camaraderie that you find at the hunting camp. It's as much about the feeling as it is about the place. They're a direct-to-consumer company with no middleman, whatever the hell that means. But stop in and purchase some amazing hunting gear and tell them GDIY sent you. Thank you. But, you know, if your hound's been like you said, it's just, you know, it's flowing in your blood. You're thinking about it all the time. And, you know, that's what you love. All right, boys, we're coon dog it yourself this week. And we had a great time doing it. Yeah, our buddy uh, Kevin Butner had us down for a coon hunt last weekend, and we went down there and saw his hounds uh, run through the woods and tree a few coons, and uh, it was a damn good time. I had never done it before, and it was awesome to be able to watch the coon dogs work, be able to really understand how you uh, how you – know your dog in that type of scenario it's really impressive impressive how these uh houndsmen know their dogs you know in the bird world and any dog world they always say know your dog know your do dog know your dog these guys they really know their dogs they can tell what their dog's running and doing just by the pace that they're doing on the gps they they know what they're doing by the sound of their voice in the woods it's it's really impressive and neat seeing that stuff in action Absolutely. So, um, Kevin will get into this for you guys, but he runs English Coon Hounds. Uh, he's been doing it a long time. He's currently, we hunted with a sixth generation dog out of his kennel. And I think either, a, I think it was the fifth generation dog too. So, um, awesome lineage out there that he's got. We were down in Grundy County, Tennessee. So shout out to all you East Tennesseans. I'm going to call it East Tennessee County. <laughs> But um, Kevin is an awesome guy. Uh, we plan on going back down there and doing some more coon hunts. We've even actually talked about um, kind of meeting up and doing like a one on, on one of these grouse weekends, trying to convince him to come up to where we can grouse hunt during the day and, and potentially coon hunt at night. Just we that's, won't sleep for a whole yeah, weekend. Never sleep. And uh, that's what's really neat about these houndsmen. It's a different breed of person. You know, we talk about breeds of dogs all the time but 
houndsmen man they're they're a different level they really are you know we get up and we'll bird hunt all day but they will sacrifice all their sleep just to go coon hunt and then go back to work the next day it's commitment man yeah it's it's amazing the passion that these guys have and uh i I think it's you'll really hear the passion come through in kevin's uh conversation here in a little bit uh you know the conversation he's your typical southern guy maybe maybe a little kept in at first but halfway through he livens up and you, you can really hear just how much enjoyment these dogs bring him and and yeah and just how much he loves coon hunting in general yeah and i think a little bit of the slow start might have been us hunting for a few hours before yeah <laughs> i mean we were yep. out there probably five hours before we before we started podcasting yeah we should have given him some coffee beforehand but uh yeah, so we'll get to Kevin here in a minute, but I think we have a little bit of housekeeping first. Do it, man. Tell them what's happening. So we've been asked for by a few people, not not a whole bunch, but a few people here and there asking if we if we had a Patreon account. Well, we do now. It's it's up live. If you want to go to patreon.com and search Gundog it yourself, there's a few tiers if, if you're ever so generous that you wanted to throw a few bucks our way. Uh, there's a $1, $5 and a $10 tier set up and, uh, every little bit helps. I mean, even just $1, you know, these podcasts don't cost a fortune, but there are some costs associated with it. And we want to keep trying to bring the best content that we can to you guys. And, uh, you know, we, we have a few expenses, you know, Austin has a little drinking problem that we're trying to keep under wraps. Not really everybody, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, every little bit helps. I mean, even if it's a buck, it's uh, it goes a long way to help us out, and we really appreciate it if you stop by and take a look at it. And uh, what else do we have? Well, it's that time. We're doing the Gunner Kennel Giveaway. What size is that? Intermediate. It's going to be a $600 value right here, kennel that we're going to be giving away. It's going to be similar to what we did a few weeks ago with the Duck Camp um, hats and, and merchandise going to be on instagram so you're going to need to follow us on instagram at gundog it yourself there will be instructions there on the steps you need to follow to enter the promotional giveaway and um really guys we got a little bit of a twist to it with the patreon account so tell them about that yeah so to enter this drawing you have to do the instagram deal so that's your first entry if you do Patreon, you get additional names in the hat, so to speak. So if you do the $1 tier, you'll get an extra uh, name in the hat. If you do 5 you get 5 more. $10 tier, you get 10 more. So if you do the $10 tier, you'll have 11 chances to get drawn for that free kennel that uh, Gunner's offering up. That's right. So you guys follow us on social media. Uh, just said the Gundog it yourself for the Instagram name. Same thing for Facebook. Of course, if you want to talk to us and, and reach out to us with some uh, with a long message, go ahead and email us at gundogityourself.com. And as always, continue to listen and rate five stars on this podcast. Give us a review if you want to. And uh, just keep coming back, guys. We appreciate it. And share it uh, if you want. If you don't think we're worth five stars, please let us know why. We we want to keep getting better at this, and we need to know what you guys think. So uh, we seriously value constructive criticism just as well as compliments. So don't feel don't be afraid to let us know if if you think we can improve on something. Feel free to let us know, and we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back here in a second with Kevin Butner. That's right. Thank you. Hope y'all. you guys enjoy. Thanks. My fellow bird dogging Americans, each and every year, over 100,000 dogs are killed, falling from pickup trucks, and even more are injured. This is horrible. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then I urge you to check out Gunner Kennels. Don't just go get a basic, plastic, untrustworthy, and undependable box from the pet store. Sure. Your wallet may thank you at the moment, but not after the trip to the vet, because you entrusted your best friend's safety to the cheapest and unproven option out there. You wouldn't travel in a death trap vehicle, so why have your dog do it? He's your child. He's your family. He's your hunting partner that's always there for you, and he deserves the best. What makes Gunner Kennels the best? It's the only kennel out there that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. 
The intermediate sized kennel was tested up against 4,000 pounds of force and they couldn't go any higher because it broke the vice machine. The double wall roto-molded construction ensures it holds in all types of weather. Lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime and Gunner stands behind that. And most importantly, they're American made. Because America. They have all the accessories that you can imagine, including fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel accessories and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast and our country. God bless America. All right, everybody, we're here with Kevin Butner, the coon dog guy of the South here. Uh, We just got back out of the woods uh, coon hunting all night, and... uh, little cold and had a little successful run tonight i think we how many what would you say five six trees what yeah about five trees tonight yeah so we had about five or six trees and uh only got one down but uh the rest they're either dinned up or they got up in the in the leaves where we couldn't find them and uh but the dogs found them and yeah this time of year there's still a lot of leaves on the trees so um hard to find them uh, a lot of times and you know a lot of times when they go in the dens it starts getting cooler now so but overall pretty good hunt at least we got a coon out for you guys yeah man it was awesome so kevin why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody let them know who you are what you do you know how you're the uh coon dog specialist down here (laughs) okay well uh my name is kevin butner and i grew up in mod eagle tennessee um very versatile land um live on like a Cumberland plateau i can drive 10 minutes uh hunt flatlands river bottoms creek bottoms so it's really uh all kinds of different terrain that i get to run my dogs in and what type of dogs do you run i run english coonhounds and what's the difference between english coonhounds and the american coonhounds um well you have a lot of different type of breeds you have walker dogs um black and tans red bones english dogs um and i mean a lot of them make up you know just different types of breeds that you can hunt with as far as coon hounds tell us a little bit about the different characteristics of those breeds and, yeah. and why you chosen to run the english coon dogs you know i think it's just a preference for me with the english coon hounds um they really differ um, as far as um, their tracking ability or their training ability, really not based on just a uh, breed of like from an English to a Walker, but really, I think about just the line of dogs that you hunt. So, walk everybody through how long have you been doing this, and really, what got you into it? Yeah, I've been doing this for 21 years now. Um, it's something that my dad done, my grandpa done, um, so I grew up doing it. Um, just because I can thank them, and it's just kind of like a family tradition that I kept, kept you know, going on. Yeah. So have you always primarily just run them on coons, or did you all do anything else like run them on bear, or bobcat, or anything like that? You know, I think uh, several, you know, several years ago when my dad was uh, younger, they probably ran them on deer and things like that. But I think, you know, as time went on, they just primarily started hunting it for coons. And ever since I've been uh, I've been hunting, I've just always focused on coons. So you were talking earlier today while we were hunting. What is it? The seventh generation of dogs that you that this you currently have? This is the sixth have? generation that Six. I have raised um, at our house now. Uh, me and a buddy, we've kind of kept the line going, and uh, that's kind of you know something that we're proud of, and that you know kind of gets us. Um, I don't know. It just uh, when you when you keep a line of dogs, you really just have a lot of pride for it, I guess, and it's something that keeps us interested. And you you not only do coon coon dogs, you also do squirrel dogs, and yeah, cur dogs, right? Yeah, we do cur, cur dogs. Um, I have a line of uh, dogs that I'm hunting for my buddy. Uh, he's primarily the squirrel hunter, I would say, and I've learned a lot from him off of that. But I primarily just hunt coons. 
And talk to us a little bit about like the lineage of the coons. You know, I, I think that you got some. We're, we're talking about the hunts you go on, trial and everything like that. Talk to us about kind of what started all of it and what dogs are the foundation type dogs for your line. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that was a dog my dad had. Um, and it goes back to a dog named Fast Cash. That was an English dog. And uh, he hunted it. And we bred it to a dog uh, named. Uh, hard time cody jar and he you know he threw several several good dogs and we really liked the way his uh pups um had just natural ability natural training ability and things like that so we kind of just stuck with that line that we you know locked and uh it's it's really produced for us now do y'all have a kennel name or anything yeah, our kennel name is jar kennels okay how long has that been around um i would say going on 10 years now so when you're deciding on which dogs to breed, and I know you you talk about how you're real big on the natural ability instead of uh, quote unquote man made dogs, mm-hmm. what it, what qualities and dogs are y'all looking for to continue your lines and and produce better dogs yeah, every generation? You know, um, from the pups we we want to keep that and that we want to breed. Um, continue breeding on as far as seventh, eighth generation, and so on. Um, we look for natural ability. Um, we don't want to have to spend two years on a dog training a coon uh, when they're six months old we fully expect our dogs to be interested in a coon have the grit to uh, uh you know track a coon bark at a coon and just have that natural ability of wanting to track and tree well as we go through this we're going to be talking a lot of terms that not everybody's probably used to you want to kind of give a rundown and just the general definitions of strikes and and locates and tapping yeah. a tree and all that stuff but then coon hunting you know uh when you you turn a dog loose um the dogs that uh, bark first that's called a strike and then while they're once they strike they're you know running the coon they're on track and then a lot several dogs will throw locates and a locate is just when the dog has found uh you know, the tree that the coon has went up, and it's a changeover in their voice. And uh, some dogs have distinct changeovers, and some don't. And it's really just a view matter of hunting that dog and finding, um, you know, the changeover or the locate of when he is treed. So we were talking earlier tonight about a term called a slick tree, and then we were talking <laughs> yeah. about so – talk, go over some of those other type of terms. Yeah, well, you know, a slick tree, uh, that's in the coon hunting world, uh, that's just something when a dog trees and there's no coon up it. It's obvious there's no coon. Uh, it's a slick. Uh, absolutely no coon up there, and that's most of the time when you want to do some uh, correcting and handling of your dog. And then – it, you you talked about tapping a tree and what what was it when the dog uh, the dog wins a coon instead of picking up the track? Yeah, you know, there's we've had several different types of hounds as far as their nose ability, and um, I would say our uh, most recent hound he has a very good just ability of lay of layup coons, which is if the coon hasn't been down a track, he has um, that winding ability to run through there and smell the coon even though it's not been on the ground feeding. So he's winding these coons while in the trees. Correct. Without there being any ground scent. Yeah, there's usually no scent with these uh, type of layup coons. Um, and, and that's what you're calling a layup. A layup, yeah. The coons yeah. have been laid up in the tree for you know a long period of time. Yeah. We talked about a split tree as well earlier. Yeah, split trees happen whenever a dog is uh, treed and then another dog is treed maybe 40 yards past it. So they're just split, and um, so that, could there be? So that's when there's two coons. Yeah, then? there could be two coons. Okay, yeah. and explain a little more. Uh, Nick mentioned the tap. Okay, so a tap is is what exactly? So when a, a coon, a lot of times these uh, older older coons will tap trees to get the dog to tree up that coon scent, and all the coon does is it it'll kind of run up the tree and run and just run down, but it won't go up a long period a long way. It'll just kind of jump on the tree and jump off and a lot of times with a you know less experienced dog they'll start treeing that tree and that's when you'll have to handle them show and you know if the coon's not there have a slick tree and you'll send them on to the tree that the coon has went up and i think the last one what's it called when the coon goes up in the tree and then jumps to another tree what's the term that's called uh, well that's riding uh you know if a coon rides out uh this it really doesn't happen a lot you say that a lot within squirrel hunting 
But uh, coon hunting, you, I mean, if a tree touches another tree, you know, they can ride into another tree. But most of the time, coons aren't going to just jump from tree to tree. Okay. So now that we have all the terminology down and hopefully everybody can keep keep up with all this, let's just start from square one. You're getting a puppy. Yeah. What are you looking for when you're picking the puppy out and kind of walk us through the general timeline and and how you start the training process? You know, if I was getting into coon hunting and I've never done it, um, I would definitely make sure that I found someone that has been doing it for a while. Um, someone that's just not going to say, hey, I'm going coon hunting and it's something they do every few months i would find somebody that's an avid coon hunter that's been in it for a long period of time because if you go with somebody that's really doesn't know what they're doing it can be a long night and i don't think you'll have a good time coon hunting yep so um i would start there and then if i decided that hey i like coon hunting i would go and find the correct kind of light the type of uh boots to get um you gotta buy dog boxes and then on to the pup and then once I've looked, once I found um, a line of dogs that I like, I, I feel I feel like there's several lines of dogs that can really please people differently. Um, some lines of dogs I feel handle better than others. Some are bigger, uh, and just as far as how how much they weigh, some are smaller. I think it, you know, um, the terrain I live, we can't really have an 85 pound coon hound. Um, because we hunt a lot of mountains and things like that, that probably wouldn't handle a lot of the hot weather, you know, as, as well. So, um, I would definitely check out the line, the line of t- type of hounds that I would want to hunt, um, whether they're early starting, late starting, um, they're more tree minded, track minded. And then I would, you know, I would look at buying a pup from what I think suited me. So is something like cold nose versus hot nose, is that something that's kind of genetic or is that just something you generally work with a dog over time to, to work out either way? You know, I think uh, when you think about, when you talk about cold nose versus hot nose dogs, um, I think it's definitely genetic. But um, for instance, the hound that we are hunting now, um, his sire was more of a cold nose dog and he really reproduced um, a dog that had a lot more wind and ability than than he did himself. So with genetics, when you're breeding from, you know, uh, down to sire, you really don't know what kind is going to come in play with genetics. But um, you know, it it can it can it can vary from sire to the pup. What you're <clears throat> what you're saying is is that it's a it's an innate thing. You know, it's you don't teach a dog that you know cold track is something that they pick up on the cold tracks and yeah uh, you know well you know uh you can definitely work a dog and make them track um track the code you can teach them how to track that code track at a faster pace you yeah. know the more that they're hunted um that way but a lot of times dogs are just born with that natural ability to of tracking with a, a better nose so let, let's kind of start there as far as with a pup you know so we talked a little bit about um, and I don't want to gloss over. If you have anything you want to add as far as selecting a yeah. pup, just let me know. But once you've found your pup, you know, what do you even do to start the whole training process? Once I would get a pup, um, we start working with our pups pretty early. Um, I think the main thing we'll try to do is maybe uh, have a coontail. And something that we've kind of always done is just tie like a piece of rope to the coontail to a long piece to a big stick because we really don't want to be showing the coontail in our hand to the pup because to me that relates to that pup showing hey we're going to give you this i would rather the pup uh, have just have the mindset of let i want to go look for it so i would probably lay some type of like a drag uh in front of the pup um, with the stick extended out to show him hey i'm not got the uh, the tail in my hand it's it's out there you can go get it and then once we kind of do that and if the pup does pretty well um, we really never show our dogs cage coons that's something that we we really don't believe in I feel that if you show them a, ca- a coon in a cage that they're not going to go out there and hunt for it um, so if, if we do uh, say catch a coon in a cage we'll go turn the coon loose without the dog seeing it and then go get the then go get the dog and turn it loose on the coon. 
that's just a pin right well not pin raise but kind of like what we do with the bird dogs is you know we we go plant birds right. so, fabricate situations yeah. for you're, the dog you're, you're, trying to control a training yeah, situation you know it's something that you know you can put the dog on a on the coon scent that you know where the, the coon went instead of maybe turning them loose on a wild game of you know a coon not being anywhere around so but you're saying you guys don't do that a whole lot no it, no you're, you're mostly doing is you're just going hunting and training yeah most of the time and like i said you know when we get a pup we'll, we'll show it a, a coon tail at a very young age um we'll take it hunting with us um we'll uh see the natural ability that it has as far as if it wants to go with the dogs and hunt um then um, when we take it with the dogs a lot of times we'll uh, shoot the coon out uh, tie the pup back see you know uh, see if it's got any interest in the dead coon um and then after we do that we'll a lot of times try to lay a drag um and see what type of ability if that pup's going to be able to track that coon um, and then tree it are you over time just progressively making the tracks harder like once you got g- gain the interest of the dog are you having to like just make it harder over more tough terrain longer or is it just kind of hey let's get in the woods and let them pick up from actual live coons yeah you know i think that you have to kind of just base it off the dog on what he's doing for the instance the dog that you went with tonight the young pup um the first time we ever took him in a hunt, took him in the woods, we knocked a coon out. You know, he was he fought the coon. We laid him a drag. He treated it, uh, done a really good job. And from then on, we've never shown him another drag. We thought, hey, he's got enough ability that he doesn't need something this easy again. We want to make him make sure that he's going out there and he's hunting. He's actually learning yeah, from the coons. Exactly. Yeah. So um, if, if you're doing this – the tracking with the you said the coontail yeah. is that it did you say that you had it on a stick or what was the yeah, how you know, were you doing that i kind of just this is some, a preference for me but I, I would take like a long cane pole okay and i would tie like a a rope to the cane pole and the other end uh to the coontail uh just so i can sit there and maybe you know while it's a pup let the pup chase it around while i kind of hold it out in front of it just to get it interested in the coon scent and the coontail okay so you go through all that and you're in the woods just typically just take your average dog mm-hmm. you get to the point that uh you're talking about you you're letting them learn from live coons walk us through you're taking them out there what are you looking for and what are you trying to what are you hoping to get out of the first few live coons that they're they're getting at i think you're trying to say earlier tonight you're you're waiting on your pup to kind of connect the treeing with the coon yeah you know so um after that first night that we took him out in the woods um we killed the coon like i said and we laid him a drag and he done a really good job on it first night so um after that we said hey no more drags uh let's try to get him where he goes hunting with other dogs right now and focused on like the wild coon um just um out in the woods and so we'll take him and um we'll kind of see where he's at we'll turn him loose a time or two and if he goes in there and he hunts well and he's striking the coon um that's good he's learning you know it's just a it's a it's a progress of seeing how he's going to track and then to tree so he's at the point now where he tracks really well um now he's kind of at the point where when the coon goes up the tree he's figuring that point out and as you've seen tonight there at one time he figured out the coon went up the tree and he started putting it together and then started treeing that's that's kind of where we talked earlier you mm-hmm. know i have the the old retired lazy bear rug of a coon hound at my house right now yeah crocodile <laughs> yeah and we didn't do any heavy coon hunting i got him and i told you earlier it's kind of an excuse for me and my buddy to go drink beer in the woods yeah. and uh just see if he struck something up but uh that's kind of the point that he got to is you know he, he treed treed one occasionally yeah but it's just like when we first got out there and saw your pup act and and i actually got to see what an experienced coon hunter is mm-hmm. doing that's what I was missing because it's it, I didn't have an experienced guy to right. go with, and I was just kind of winging it, and uh, I never got my dog out of that stage. It was like he would track it, and then it would get to the tree, and you could tell it's like unless it was just blatantly obvious, and he it was a hot track that yep. he followed that coon mm-hmm. up the tree, he wasn't piecing it together that it yep. was on the tree. And so it was kind of neat for me to see 
from your standpoint, okay, while you're just sitting there talking, you're reasoning it out in your head what yeah. you want to do with that dog. And so that was really neat for me to watch. And so is that just repetition? You're just doing the same thing yeah, you know, from here I think on it, out? Well, no, I think it's, you know, a lot of it, uh, my buddy and I will discuss, you know, where the dog's at. And like, for instance, he started training tonight. Um, I think he is almost there to the point to where um, the next time we take him, he'll track and tree and put it all together. And then once we can get a coon out knocked knocked out to him by himself, we'll we'll try to hunt him, you know, five six nights in a row, and keep that going. And then once he kind of starts putting it together by himself, we'll single him out. We'll hunt him by himself the next six months, and then we'll kind of make him into the dog that we want him to be and you know shape him and i'm sure he's uh got he's gonna have some flaws um whether it's uh missing coons or uh checking too much or things like that coming on the tree and it's really just like a trial and error and a step-by-step thing um that that you're doing with these pups and ultimately the goal is for the dog to search out and track the coon and get it on the tree just walk everybody through real quick the actual tring of the coon because you're telling us the difference between the dogs that hug the tree the dogs that are kind of light-footed on the tree you know there's yeah. different tring styles yeah and kind of what it, what do you look for and your preference on the dogs on tree well with us we hunt a lot of competition hunts and um, we necessarily don't want a dog just that sits there and hugs on the tree with its arms around the tree and throwing his head back um, treeing um, a lot of times that can kind of get you in situations within fights of dogs because if they're you know hugged up on three dogs are hooked up on a tree that's not very big um it can be scuffles and also uh, dogs have tendencies to jack trees when they jack trees that means they're jumping up the tree you know they're sighted they're excited they're treeing they're jumping up the tree they're coming down falling on other dogs which oftentimes can lead to more fights more fights and with that being said if you get in a fight you get scratched you're done you're going home so um our dog he does a really good job of he doesn't hug the tree, but he stays close enough to the tree that um, he gives room for kind of dogs to maybe jack trees or hug trees. And uh, he may back off and kind of sit down under the tree and tree can sit. So you don't want that dog that people see on YouTube all the time that's climbed up in the tree with the coon 20 feet up. Yeah, you don't, t- you don't, <laughs> you don't typically want that. We've had dogs that have done it and stuff like that. I mean, they really can't get the dog hurt. You know, if they're, if they're climbing trees and falling out of trees and things like that, I've had it happen. Yeah, and you were saying earlier, I was asking you if that was more like something you could train out of a dog or train into a dog or whatever, but it, basically you think it's genetics on that. Well, you know, with dogs jacking trees or dogs maybe chewing at the tree, uh, that happens a lot. I don't know if it's necessarily genetics or just something that the dog does. Yeah. You know, and um, we've had dogs, I know, jack trees and chew, and there's really hard habits to break. Do you try to, yeah, do you try to break those habits if you see them developing? Yeah, I mean – you know, you'll try to break any kind of habit that you don't want early on when you see it. But if a dog jacks a tree, um, I've had a dog jack a tree before. She kind of just consistently jacked trees. You know, you can tie her back. But a lot of times, uh, you know, if a dog chews on a, chews at the tree, those are just really hard habits to break. So I noticed tonight, so when the dog's treed, you would go over there and you would leash up the dog mm-hmm. and tie it off. Is that more so that you can control the scenario when we're trying to get the coon out of mm-hmm. the tree and you can just have better control over it for yeah. for your young dog? Or what, what was the purpose of that? You know, I think as far as tying a dog back, um, definitely in competition hunts, whenever you tree your dog and you go in there, you leash your dogs. And you, we always, you always tie your dog back. That way, you know, if there's four dogs at the tree, um, things can just get hectic. You know, if dogs are... Uh, train right beside each other so we always just tend to tie our dogs back and let them kind of just get consistent of training of being tied back um, while we look for the coon uh, have you ever seen that a dog that is tied back too often lose any desire or any type of staying on a tree you know or is it something that y'all don't really worry about um you know if you tie a dog back uh and they quit training i think that's something that probably a, a dog that's is still in training you know and if a dog's still in training and it's a young pup i mean you you can go up there and you can kind of praise it and pet it and get it to train again 
But once they get to that point to where they're interested, they want a tree, time back, it doesn't have any negative effect on them. So we just recently did an episode on dog training myths and uh, fact or fiction, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's all kind of yeah. tall tales and just old school training thoughts and mentalities with these dogs. We mainly just hit bird dog stuff because mm-hmm. that's what we focus on. But there was one uh, one myth out there that uh, a guy mentioned to us that you you the myth is you don't want to shoot the or get the coon out of the tree and let the dog track that same coon again just to get more work out of that coon with the dog what are your thoughts on that is it beneficial or what what would you say to that um you know uh your buddy he kind of asked me that question earlier and uh i don't remember exactly what i replied with him but you know if you shoot a coon out of a tree you gotta think that uh the dog's probably going to you know, fight it and, and, and catch it and kill it. Um, I don't know how many times, but I wouldn't say not very many, that when we shoot a coon, it's jumping out of a tree and we're running again and turning it again. Um, that just that really doesn't happen that much. Um, so it, it's, it's really hard for me to say. I necessarily, um, the way we train dogs, if our dog trees the tree, we're going to shoot it out. We're going to reward our our dog. We're going to pet the dog up, and we're moving on um, that fast. And maybe even resend them, saying, "Get us another." Uh, that, that's it. Kind of. That's how I think about it. And also, just from an outsider perspective, part of these dogs, the hunt is actually uncovering the track and exactly. entering the coon. So it's kind of like if you're getting the coon back out of the tree then the dog already knows the yeah. track is there. So you're kind of losing that whole first half of the hunt. Yeah. And that's just my perspective on yeah. the outside. But you've mentioned a few times that you do competition hunts. Yeah. Do you want to give everybody just kind of a, a breakdown of that and how that how a night hunt usually happens and just the scenarios of it? And Yeah, you know, once you get uh, your dog trained and it's uh, you feel that it's a consistent coon trier, every night and you have a lot of the flaws worked out of it you know if it's running deer you don't want to be taking it to competition hunts if it's training possums uh this is a, a this is a seasoned dog that has been trained well um then i would say try to go to a competition hunt once you go to competition hunts there's many different kinds such as a ukc hunt pkc akc um, chkc um there's several different type uh different types that you can go to we primarily hunt ukc and pkc um ukc um you, you just kind of work towards uh winning titles on your dog such as a night champion in your grand night uh, pkc it's uh, a money it's a money type hunt to where you win money your dog can, can, can become a platinum champion gold champion things like that talk to us about what the, the competitions and the trials that you've done and, and the dogs that we hunted with today, and I, at least I know the older one, it's got titles on it. So talk to us about those. Yeah, the one you hunted with tonight, um, he's a night champion. He's got uh, four wins towards Grand Night right now, so we're working on finishing him out. Um, we have two other Grand Nights um, that we've uh, finished out ourselves. We've finished out um, in at least one with probably, I'd say, seven different hounds over the and over the same bloodline that we've been hunting um and you know when you go to hunts and things like that uh, there is negative feedbacks of going and uh but we always enjoy it we enjoy the competition um we enjoy hunting the dogs tiling them out and then uh breeding them and continuing the line well tell everybody kind of how the hunts are set up because i find this this is really interesting as far as having to know your dog's voice and yeah. tendencies and the time and all that so okay. just yeah. tell every walk everybody through you know, that when you quick. when you go to a hunt um you want to know your dog you want to know your dog in and out you know if it barks you want to know what it's doing um your dog can throw certain barks that means he's in a hole that he's looking up a tree uh maybe your dog uh you know if he's on off game he throws a certain different you know a different type of mouth uh but when you you know you go to these hunts um you have strikes you have strike points you have tree points um when you uh turn your dog loose if it strikes you can get a different type of availability on the point system um different um 
UKC or PKC, their point systems are different, you know, but you can go, let's just say first strike from 100, second 75, third 50, fourth to 25. And then the tree points, um, they and differ what, as well. Real quick on that. So you're running with other dogs and other handlers at the same time. So yeah, you so have you to gotta, actually call your dog's actions. You have to call your dog. You have to know your dog's voice. You have to say, that's my dog striking right now. Yeah, exactly. So if your dog's name is John, you have to say, uh, John struck. And with that being said, you got to know your dog's voice. If you call the wrong dog, you can get minus for that. And go on and explain, you know, the time period after the strike, how long they have to get the tree and all that stuff. Well, once you strike your dog, um, it, ha- it has to keep uh, the track open for like a matter of eight minutes. And that's with all dogs in the cast. So t- uh, the most dogs you can hunt in a cast are four. We've had it where we hunted by ourselves. Um, so you got one to four dogs in the cast. Um, there can be four different dogs, uh, four different guys that you're calling against. And, you know, the point system, uh, you really want to get first strike, you want to get first tree. So you have to uh, know your dog. Um, you know, the second it looks up a tree, you got to call your dog treat. And how often do you have people trying to snipe your dog's call? Oh, yeah, that happens, you know, and uh, you just got to be ready for it. Yeah, no no fist fights or anything out there saying, uh, that's my dog. You know, <laughs> th- there's uh, there's always been, uh, you know, like I said, negative things. if uh, <laughs> That come about that on come these about things. come about on these yeah, because Especially you know, when you're running Brawler, who's out there getting everything <laughs> first. Everybody's trying yeah. to steal it. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I wish he got everything first, but he, he does pretty good. But, um, you know, there's all, there's all it's an honor system. You know, when you're out here hunting with – uh, guys and your judge you guys are the judge out in the middle of the woods at night um you know you you hope to be as truthful as you can uh, about seeing coons not seeing coons uh which dog trees first things like that so you you can have one to four dogs in a, in a run uh i think you said earlier it's a two-hour run and so you want the first strike and first tree say one of the dogs in the group uh base tree Y'all call it, y'all go up to the tree. Walk us through what's the process on that. Are you, you, you circling around or the coon's up in the tree? Are y'all shooting it out? Are y'all letting it go, it, voting on whatever? What, walk well, us through you that. You know, um, let's just say all dogs are declared treed. If you're, when you walk in there, uh, the judge will let you leash your dogs, you'll tie your dogs back. Then everyone begins shining the tree. Um, if you find the coon, you get plus points. If you, uh, not sure the coon's up there. It has a chance. It has some, uh, you know, leaves that can hide behind. It has maybe a den tree such as hose in the tree. You can circle it. If and as we talked about before, the terminology. If it's a slick tree, you can vote to minus the dog in which it's in the hole, and it'll have to come back out of the hole in order to win. So as far as when you get these titles on these dogs, I mean, how. I- I coming from the pointing dog perspective, you know, it's tough to get a master hunter title on a mm. on a pointing dog, which in the AKC world is a pretty is uh that that's the highest level, yeah. right? So what is the highest level in your world and how tough is it to get that? What's the competition like? Yeah, so when you, you can go we got a, lo, a lot of local hunts um and clubs that in our area that we can go to. We can probably hit a competition hunt up almost every other weekend and with that being said you you know you gotta have uh used to be three first place wins in ukc in order to get a dog night champion then five um they've upped that now i believe it's uh five to get five cast wins to get a night champion now eight uh cast wins to get grand night so you know it's it's something that uh you know it's not extremely difficult but you, you still have to have a dog that uh, is a consistent coon trier. And, you know, it can take some time in order to, uh, to get your dog, you, you know, UKC Grand Knight um, or PKC Gold Champion, something like that. Is there some kind of organization, I mean, maybe within some of these testing organizations, is it something like what we do in the bird dog world? We have NAVDA or something that, to where it's like there's training groups and, like, people that help each other out, or is it just kind of you do your own thing and we're in it to win it? Like Yeah, when you show up to these competition hunts, you're pretty much uh, you're, you're there to win, you know? <laughs> yeah. Everybody for themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, – So y'all aren't, like – 
kicking back beers later on, helping each other train because your dogs are in direct competition. Like well, I'm not even are, talking on people that. People are pissed hunts. when they show up because they're like, damn, we're going to lose today. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, when we show up, uh, I mean, everyone's there to win. You know, everyone's there to get a title on their dog. Um, but, you know, we've built a lot, some good friendships with people um, over the years as far as even if, you know, if they beat us, we'll shake their hand. Hey, your dog done a great job. And vice versa um, happened, you know, probably a month ago. We beat a guy on a Saturday night. The next Saturday night he beat us, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we give him a hard time. He gives us a hard time. And, you know, you you know, you can draw in – you can draw certain people who, you know, are not very friendly to be around. And you definitely don't uh, – you definitely want to beat those type of guys, you know. <laughs> I understand that. So you're not going to Waffle House with them after the hunt? Oh, no, no. That's the tradition, though, folks. When yeah. they win, they yeah. go to Waffle yeah, we House. We win, we're going to Waffle it's House. Like so we're going to go to Waffle House. So if after y'all this. lose, y'all don't get any Waffle House. No, no. no we go home. We're, we're probably going home and taking the dog hunting that night and <laughs> trying to fix, you know, what, what the reason we didn't win. And so y'all, y'all do this all the time. So I, I think Justin was saying earlier there was one year that he hunted two hundred nights oh, consecutively yeah. in a row. Yeah, and that was still with. Uh, what I don't know if I can't remember if he was saying that that was when he was in school or if he's working. Yeah, you know, when we were like, high school, of course, we had all the time in the world to just hunt every single night. And then in college, you know, I think we just wasted our whole first year of college to <laughs> do a coon hunting. I think Justin said he dropped out his first yeah, year. Yeah, he did to actually. Coon yeah. For the record, he got back in. Yeah, he, and, he uh, did, and, and he's, a, he's an engineer now, so that's good. But <laughs> that first year, yeah, we were we were we were skip, skipping classes and uh, just going to you know. I think they actually stuck the didn't y'all didn't you say you tied the dogs out next to the truck during class? Yeah, you know we'd go coon hunting all night. We would <laughs> wake up and uh, we'd be like, oh, you was know, this at Tech? No, this was at a uh, Motlow actually. Oh, okay. So we would wake up and then we'd be like, man, we got to be at class in two hours, and you know we the dogs just slept in the dog box. So we was like, well, heck, we'll just uh, we'll just tie them out at, at, at college. You know, we'll tie them out behind the baseball field. That, that, this is one of the things that fascinates me about this world because you know you have extremely dedicated bird hunters rabbit hunters what have you but it seems like houndsmen in general and a, and more specifically coon hunters because y'all are doing it at night and you still have a day job yeah and so it's just like y'all are voluntarily and willingly to lose out on that sleep and be miserable the next day Man, at work. you know we have woke up so many mornings and uh, just said we're not going hunting tonight. You know, I I, I swear <laughs> we're not going hunting tonight. We got about two hours worth of sleep. Um, you know, you feel like crap that whole morning, and then all of a sudden when it gets dark, you know, we're texting yeah, that, each other yeah, saying, "Let's go, hey man, what do you think about trying trying you know make a drop or two tonight?" <laughs> and I think that's a whole that's a coon, that's just the coon hunting world, and it's a high it's a very high de- it's a demanding sport. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be hard on your family. It can be hard on you. But, you know, if you're a houndsman, like you said, it's just, you know, it's flowing in your blood. You're thinking about it all the time. And, you know, that's what you love. So you, hard on your family. You just had, had a baby. Yeah. So yeah. how's that changing your your uh, routine? Well, I'm not here? hunting every night. <laughs> um, Still getting four nights in a week. <laughs> I wish, I wish. You're either um, losing sleep in the woods you know, or losing sleep at the that's house right, right now. Yeah, so I mean, I might as well be coon hunting, you know. <laughs> but uh, when the baby goes to sleep, that's when I take off and I go coon hunting for a few hours. But, uh, you know, that's like right now the young dog, you you guys hunting with the night. Oh, um, Reaper. Yeah, Reaper. Yeah, the coon Reaper. Uh, <laughs> Kevin says that you get mad when you name your dogs because they're always something mean like Justin. Reaper or Brawler yeah. or whatever. <laughs> hey, man, you got to make them tough. You know, you want tough names. You yeah. want tough names for the dogs. I love the names, man. Yeah, they're yeah. cool. Yeah, we uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about good names for the dogs, you know. But uh, So the next one you're naming Romance. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. We're gonna to try to keep them, uh, keep them, you know, pretty, pretty manly names. So, so while we're kind of on just the lifestyle in general yeah. of a coon hunter or houndsman, your your dogs don't stay with you in the house. No. So um, it, walk walk us through yeah. that and your setup with your dogs and yeah, how you many know, you have and all that. Our hounds, uh, we keep them outside. Uh, we have dog kennels and things like that, or we can tie them up. We prefer to tie. The young dogs up uh, to kind of teach them how to lead and things like that. But uh, our hounds, you know, they're rugged and they're tough. 
Um, now we don't, we do have, you know, cur dogs, things like that, that we have that they'll sleep in the house, but these coon hounds, you know, we, uh, like I said, they just, they're rugged, they're tough. Um, we expect them to just be a little, uh, tougher, I guess, than some of our other cur dogs and things like that. Trying to keep that edge on them, yeah. pissed off every yeah. time they go in the woods. Yeah. You know, you want them, you, when you turn a coon dog loose, you want them to go hunting. You, you want them mean, you want them, you want them ready to do it. <laughs> well, you know, you it's uh you don't want them to handle i would say as well as a squirrel dog as far as it hunting close and things like that the coon dog when you turn them loose you want them to go and going and finding a coon no matter how long control chaos yeah let's talk about that for a minute because you were talking about the independence that these dogs have to have and and you know coming from the bird dog world i was saying yeah you know we do some we have these obedience commands you know i may recall the dog you're not recalling your dog you know, if you're hunting competition hunt, um, most of the time you're not calling your dog in. You want to get your dog off a tree. So if our dog, um, for instance, if a coon goes in a hole, we're teaching our dog to go on and find another coon. Um, most of the time we're not calling our dogs in um, for, you know, any reason. The only reason I would know is if it's uh, close to a road or something like that. But, it, yeah, when we turn our dogs loose, we fully expect them to get them off a tree. And that's, that's when you get them back. Yeah, I mean, you know, and of course, you know, you have Garmin's and things like that that, uh, you know, make it a lot easier to get the dogs back and knowing where they're at. But uh, we don't we don't want our dogs to come back. We want them to go strike a coon, tree a coon, and that way we can reward them for, you know, what they're doing. And guys, just from an outsider's perspective, I have never coon hunted before, but having done this tonight, I can tell you it's awesome being able to be, you know, behind a dog and listen to that dog strike and then keep that strike or keep that track open, you know, by continuing to to uh, strike. It's it's cool to be able to connect the dots. So yeah. if you guys are listening to the podcast and get to actually experience this, I mean, it's cool being able to see a dog just hit the track and basically strike it all the way to a tree and hold that tree till you get there. Absolutely. So, and I guess for the, for the listeners on this, why don't you explain to them like what the, what the next steps are beyond like when you find, you find the, the, the tree, you find the coon, you know, you mentioned in the hunts, I don't think you're actually taking that no. coon. So what about, you know, you're just finding the coon. How often are you hunts. doing it? How often are you doing it? And when we say hunts, guys, we're talking like the trials. Yes, yeah, like the competition hunts. So when you're actually hunting, like we yes. did tonight, how often are you taking those coons? Um, you know, it, are, are you are you asking like how how often are we? Uh, are you are you killing the coons okay. for the for shooting the shooting yeah. the coons out for you the know, dogs? And it, I think it's all in what the dog is. Is the dog a trained dog? Is the dog? Uh, in training is it a young dog you know for instance the young dog reaper that i'm hunting tonight you know if he trees a coon uh the next five nights in a row i'm i'm shooting those five coons out to him um that's just only going to make him that much better the night champion dog that we have right now we don't have to shoot every coon out to him he doesn't need it you know he's already a coon dog he is what he is um we can shoot a coon out every now and then just to kind of, you know, like you said, keep him uh, interested, keep his desire up. But um, it's really all in where the dog's at as far as uh, their ability. Are they trained? Are they in training? So while you're out here, what? how do you handle the dog running trash? Or for yeah. another word, you yeah. know, what you don't want you know, it to run, with possum us, or deer or whatever. You know, a lot of people have different, I guess, uh, tactics of how to break their dog um, I think we had a lot of trial and error, such as if our dogs train a possum at night, um, I've seen people shoot the possum out, whoop the dog, you know. With uh, the possum. With the po- yeah, whoop the dog with the possum, tying the possum <laughs> around the dog's neck for two days to, for making it, hating it. Um, Have you ever seen anybody do that to where they'll, they'll shoot the possum and throw it in a barrel and then put the dog in the barrel oh yeah 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 we have we have a buddy and uh he definitely done something like that and you know we found what works best for us is you know if our most of the time that's our dogs in training if it's running trash such as our night champion dog our grand night dogs they're not running trash they're already trained so if they're in training we want to be very careful about not 
you know, hurting the spirit or the hunting desire of the dog or the, you know, the training desire. So we don't like to whoop a dog for training a possum. What we'll do, we'll just go work with them the next day. Um, during, like during the day, uh, we'll find a possum cross the road, um, something like that. And then we'll work with him in the daytime on maybe shocking him. If he's training a possum, whooping him if he's training a possum. If the dog's running trash, if he's running deer, we're not going to work with him at night. We're going to go drive around the next day, look for some deer on the side of the road. We're going to send him. If he starts running it, we're shocking him. Yeah, that's a cool point because, you know, in the bird dog world, Delmar Smith and that book that we occasionally bring up, they're talking about training different areas, you know, than you hunt, right? Or don't, it, you basically want to change up the environment, right? And so that's why you're doing this stuff during the day. You're not going to do it at night. You don't want that dog associating any negative yeah, things for instance, at a night re- hunt. Reaper tonight, okay? Yeah. Um, I took him just so you guys could see a dog, uh, you know, a dog that's in training. And tonight was the first night that he started treeing. You know, we, we turned him loose. He struck. He treed by himself. Um, tomorrow night, if I take him and he trees a possum, I'm not whooping him on that possum. I don't want to hurt his treeing desire. Now, if it, that becomes a problem, I'll break him from that po- from treeing a possum during the day. I don't want him to associate um, treeing as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I want him to think treeing's a good thing, but I got to, you know, disassociate that possum from a coon. Okay. So, uh, you got any future pairings planned for your kennel? You got any more breeding you're going to do? Yeah, you know, uh, well, the dog that, uh, the pups that we're hunting right now out of uh, my granddaughter dog, he's probably about 11, and we have probably about 15 uh pups on the ground right now to him uh plan on breeding uh my buddy's dog uh that's a night champion hope to have him grand night uh by the end of this winter i'm gonna go ahead and start breeding him that'll be the seventh generation line of the dogs once he starts uh having some pups on the ground so say somebody's listening to this and they want to lose sleep and get into the coon woods at <laughs> yeah. night uh, and they're interested in a pup. Is there a place that if they wanted to talk to you about one of your pups, is there a place they can contact you? Do you have social media or a website yeah, or anything? Yeah, they could contact me on Facebook, uh, anything like that. And I'd be, you know, more than willing to help them out, um, you know, get them a dog, get them a pup. Um, you know, and I think one thing is as far as us, uh, coon hunting over these years not every dog makes a good dog you know um just call them uh you know you can give them away um you can sell them but uh you know don't focus all your time just on the pup just because you bought it you know if he's not doing anything by a certain age you know move on so this (laughs) this goes back to the your your hunting dog is your hunting dog. It's it's a tool. You you love them, yes. but it's not your pet. Like well, you know, in the today's and, modern term of pet, you know, or, yeah, we're not. I mean, once a dog's trained, we'll go out and we'll pet on him, uh, you know, and things like that. But he's more of I would think a hunting buddy. Yeah, you know, um, instead of a pet, a pet because. Uh, um we're hunting asking buddy so you're gonna trade in your hunting buddy like ju- uh justin whenever no whenever no you want. no yeah he's, just he's, he's not, listening to he's this he's not making the cut well so you know I, I think it goes more into the what you were talking about earlier man-made versus natural ability yeah you know you want to yeah as you were saying uh before we got on this man-made dogs are dime a dozen you yeah, know absolutely you can, that's why i'm yeah. you know i said don't focus you know two years on a dog that's just starting a tree, in my opinion. Now, you know, there's different opinions. There, di- There's different lines of dogs that start early, that start late. I don't think it it really matters in the end about how good they are. If a dog starts at six months, he's going to be better than a dog that starts at two years old. But for us and our preferences, we like early starting natural coon dogs that we don't have to, um, you know, beat them for, you know, running off game for two years before they start treeing. And that, I mean, that, that's the same in all, all hunting dog, right. whether, whether it's rabbit or birds like us with NAVDA, we do the natural ability. Yeah. And I look at it as I want to see the test scores from a puppy as young as possible mm-hmm. because a, a trainer and doesn't even have to be a great trainer by the time, you know, it gets up to 14, 15, 16 months old, they can cover up a lot of yeah. undesirable 
undesirable traits yeah. in a puppy. And yeah. so it's like if you're wanting to get a true reading of the natural ability of the dog, that's going to help the breeders determine what traits they want to pass on exactly. in the future generations. Yeah. You know, and um, from what we're going to move on to now is the dog that we're really going to put our time in and breed in our breeding program. You know, he was a natural coon dog at six months old. You know, treated his first coon, I think, about six months old and was really hunting by himself at eight months on on. Um, if that's what we're wanting to keep in our line of dogs, um, you know, I want them to be natural. I don't want to have to um, try to look for, look for something that I had. I want to keep that going the best that I can. Absolutely. And it, it seems like just based on – seeing how you handled the dogs tonight and and what we've talked about that you know you're you're about getting exposure to these dogs early exposure on these on the coons right and so as nick was talking about when we were hunting with you guys it's more of just getting that natural ability to come out of that dog Mm -hmm. and putting a steering wheel on on it you're not training it to do to be a coon dog you know you're you're just fine-tuning how you want it to act in certain situations yeah um you know like just such as the young dog you're hunting with tonight i mean the first night that we had him in the woods we knocked a coon out we laid him a drag and he ran and treated Okay, mm-hmm. that's all off him. We didn't really teach that to him. That's just natural ability. But now, now that he's out and he's running wild coons, he's tracking them. He's now starting a tree and put it together. We're trying to get him where he is focused on every time he strikes that he he ends up on a tree with a coon and gets a reward. He gets the a end. reward. Yeah, like tonight. Luckily, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Should we tell that story? About how we got that tr- that coon out of the tree? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had some uh, shooting difficulties uh, <laughs> from my buddy, but uh, we won't, we won't why, talk and, about that. And that's why you're trading them in like we were just yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, trading them in. Yeah, just yeah. cull them out. Uh, well, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground here and uh, a lot of important stuff, and so this this is everybody, every guest's favorite part to where I get to put you on the spot okay. and say, tell us a really good story to close this out, like one one that just stands out in your head. A really good story. Um, you know, I guess uh, I would have to think of, there was one night I was hunting by myself. Um, I had an older dog, had a, a, a younger dog, and uh, it's probably about 12 o'clock at night, uh, so the dogs went way back in this river bottom. Um, get there, you know, that both dogs are treed. I, I only seen one dog. And uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, where's where's the other dog? I was like, I heard him. And then I started listening, and, you know, there's a hoe at the bottom of the tree, and he got inside the tree. And I was like, oh, you know, how heck, how am I going to get him out of this, you know? <laughs> And uh, so I really wasn't worried about it, and I kind of got down on my knees, and all of a sudden I heard that dog squalling in that, you know, in the tree. <laughs> and that coon was on top of his head in the tree. You could just hear that coon just wearing eat, him out, wearing him out. Yeah, and he was just, you know, squalling and bawling. So I'm down there on my knees trying to pull him out from the hole. You know, the hole was, I mean, it's maybe it's big around as two of my fists. He just squoze his way up in there. Yeah. And so here I am yanking the dog out. I get about half his body out. And when I yank him out, that coon comes out with him. And, uh, of course, I stand up. The coon, like, runs up me. I fall backwards. I trip over a log. The light flies off my head. Um, the dogs run over me uh, to get the coon. Well, you know, they caught the coon. But, uh, you know, it was just uh, – I had to sit down on that log after that and take about a 10-minute timeout. Uh, I thought that coon was going to – the coon knocked you out a little bit. Yeah, so that it's was like, – uh, Man, I miss going to bed for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly but uh you know that's good times there's man there's so many different memories you make while hunting yeah and uh i I would i could probably share a hundred different ones you know well i mean even tonight you know we won't we won't go into detail about the uh the shooting mishaps but it was a (laughs) hilarious deal you know i mean it was it was great you know we talk about all the time there's the experiences that you get while hunting yeah they are unlike any other yeah, type absolutely. of experience that you will have in your life. It's it's the stuff that you're going to talk about literally until you die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's usually the stuff that sucks, like what you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. You know, you remember you remember the bad stuff, you know, like not being able to knock a coon out of a tree and uh, being, you know, 100 yards from somebody's house and trying to get the coon out, you know, 
quietly. But, you know, sometimes it just don't happen that way. There was uh, permission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Kevin, I appreciate you having us down and taking us out and seeing your dogs in action. And I look forward to the next time we get to do it. I'm, I know that we're going to have you on in the future and maybe get Justin on uh, talk about, you know, how he's doing some target practice in the backyard with the 22 or something. Yeah. But. Uh, ho- hopefully you don't call him out too too soon after tonight. No, he's a good one. I'm gonna keep him around. Uh, hopefully you guys come back and we'll do you know plenty more coon hunts and more stories to tell. Absolutely. I think we're gonna we need to do a tag team deal where you come up and bird hunt with us during the day and then yeah. we'll do some coon hunting at night. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Grouse camp, coon camp, whatever. You know, we'll come. We up just with a won't name. sleep for an entire weekend. <laughs> hey, it sounds like Kevin and Justin been used to it for a yeah. few years. I if you coon hunt, yeah. you know, you don't get much sleep anyway. A lot of coffee. <laughs> Yeah. Well, or monster uh, energy drink. Well, hopefully people enjoyed this and we didn't put them to sleep uh, on this episode. But uh, again, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll have you on again later on. Talk more dogs, and uh, yeah. Unless you you got anything else, I think we're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, this was awesome. We've been talking about doing this for a little while, and uh, heck, I mean, it was an awesome first experience for me. I'm I'm pumped about coming back. Awesome. We'll do it again. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. See y'all. See ya. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.